Last week, we were in Proverbs, and we were camping on a couple of verses out of Proverbs, and in particular, we were at Proverbs 16.9. And Proverbs 16.9 simply says, The mind of man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Uh, undoubtedly, you spent part of your day-to-day considering plans, uh, thinking about uh, next week, thinking about maybe next month. Maybe you were in a planning meeting today. Uh, Maybe uh, uh, you spent some time and you took your day timer, you took your Palm Pilot, and you just went over what you've got ahead of you this week or next week. A lot of times we do that at the beginning of the week. Uh, Most of us in this room have made a financial plan. Uh, last night, I was down at Barnes & Noble, and uh, I was reading this book. And uh, as I was reading the book, and I was sipping hot tea, uh, I was thinking about my financial plan, and this guy had a couple things to say and a couple of suggestions that were really, really good. So what I did, basically, uh, on a napkin, I made some adjustments, what I want to do over the next three years on my financial plan. And I want to tell you something. This is really good stuff. I mean, I got this plan now that is really good. And uh, a couple things I hadn't thought of, and, and if we do this and do this and, and bring it in here and here, let me tell you something. This is a great plan. <laughs> now, the reason you're laughing is you've made great plans. What, what, what I uh, have learned, and I didn't do it last night, but when you make a financial plan, it's really a good idea to make it in pencil. <laughs> because inevitably, what's going to happen is there are going to be some, it never quite sorts out just the way you've planned it. Uh, there are contingencies, and there are things that get held back and set back. And see, that's the way it is not only with a financial plan, but just life in general. We, we are people who know how to plan and we should plan and planning is a good thing but when you make a plan it's really good to hold on to that plan very loosely Uh, you've heard it said i'm sure that uh, god is free to interrupt our plans at any moment and the problem with making plans and putting them in cement is that you're going to be disappointed what does this verse say the mind of man plans his way And we get excited when we come up with a good plan. It kind of motivates us. It kind of stimulates us. We get our goals. We get our objectives. The mind of man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. We left Moses last week uh, in the desert at Midian. Moses, the life of Moses, Moses lived to be 120 years old. And the life of Moses breaks up into three 40-year chapters. The first 40 years of the life of Moses uh, was an amazing story. Uh, His people were in slavery in Egypt. And you remember the story of Moses that uh, his mother, in order to save him uh, from being killed, because at this particular time, Pharaoh decided all the boys that were born needed to be killed because they were too many of these Jews, too many Israelites. She fashioned a little ark, a little basket, and uh, his sister Miriam would take him down and hide him in the reeds and the bulrushes of the Nile River. But Pharaoh's daughter comes and happens to see him, and her heart goes out. She adopts him, uh, winds up getting his mother to be uh, his nurse, so his mother raises him as Pharaoh's grandson. And that's how he was raised the first 40 years of his life. It's really an amazing story. Uh, As we said last week, Moses, as he got older and older, he realized that uh, he just wasn't in that palace for his own personal pleasure and affluence. As as he had the best of everything, as he had the best education, as he had the best food, as he had the best clothes, the best chariot. I I mean, this guy was living the good life. But, But his cousins were slaves. His aunts and uncles were slaves. His dad was a slave. Uh, his brother was a slave. They, they were all slaves except for him. 
And as he got older and older, it began to dawn on him, listen, this isn't by chance, this isn't by coincidence that I'm being raised here. He began to figure out there's a reason that God has me in this position. And the reason that God has me here is to deliver these people out of slavery. And he was right. So at the age just shy of 40, he attempts when he sees uh, an Israelite slave being beaten by an Egyptian soldier, taskmaster, he steps in, defends the slave, and kills the Egyptian. Now, from what Stephen said in Acts 7, he gives us an insight into what Moses was doing. Moses thought by this act that the Israelite slaves would understand that God was granting them deliverance through him. But the scripture says, but they did not understand. Uh, Pharaoh, when he heard about it, said, I'm going to... I'm going to kill this guy. And so suddenly, uh, Moses, who had lived this, this pampered life, this, this life of affluence, this life of incredible uh, pomp and circumstance, is a fugitive running for his life. Uh, he heads for Midian. As we said last week, nobody in their right mind would go to Midian. Uh, that's why he went there. They wouldn't even track him in the Midian. It was a desert. There have been temperatures recorded in Midian up to 135 degrees. It was there that he spent the next 40 years of his life. So the first 40 years of his life, Moses um, is in the palace, okay? First 40 years. Second 40 years, Moses is in the pasture. That's where you've heard of midlife crisis. This was the original midlife crisis. 40 years, he's going to be in this pasture. Now, when he went into the pasture and he was a fugitive, he had no idea how long he would be in that pasture. See, I think if you had a talk with Moses, Moses, how long will you be here? I think he would have said, I'll be here the rest of my life. Because he had had a golden opportunity. He had had one shot at delivering those people. And he had blown it. He could never, ever go back. That had to have been in his mind. Because if he had gone back, they would have killed him. So he carves out a life for himself uh, uh, simply uh, taking care of sheep. Now, if you go to Exodus chapter 2, where we were last week. Now, can I ask you something as you're going to Exodus 2? If you had to talk to Moses when he was 20 years old or 25... And you had said to him, Moses, where do you think when you'll be, where do you think you'll be when you're 40? Well, uh, do you think he would have had uh, some answers for you, some ideas? Yeah, because he, he had goals, he had objectives. Uh, we, we know from what Flavius Josephus, the Jewish historian, said, that Moses was a man who was educated in... Uh, in all the learning of the Egyptians, he had the equivalent of a PhD. We know that he was a military hero because, again, as we learned last week, I'm kind of recounting some of this. Uh, the Ethiopian army had taken the Egyptian city of Memphis. It was Moses who led an all-night march, took him by surprise, and got the city of Memphis back. Uh, Moses was on the fast track. Uh, because of his power, because of his position, because of his education, uh, he was uh, a young man of great confidence. Uh, he was capable. Uh, he had gifts. He had shown leadership at a young age. If you had a talk with him at the age of 25 and said, where do you expect to be at the age of 40? He never would have said, I expect to be pastoring sheep in Midian. The mind of man plans his way. But the Lord directs his steps. We could, we could go around this room and just give guys an opportunity to share about your dreams when you were in your 20s and your hopes and your aspirations. And, uh, and, and we could say now, when you were 25, and what age are you today? Well, I'm 45. All right. When you were 25, did you foresee your life at 45 looking like it is right now? Some of you would say, yeah. A lot of you would say, no. Because, see, a lot of us have gone through things 
very similar to what Moses has gone through. You know, these guys in the Bible, this stuff's just not there just so uh, little old ladies can teach Sunday school. Did you know that? I mean, it, it wasn't so someone could come up with Sunday school curriculum and put little color things and flannel graphs. How many of you guys raised going to Sunday school? Let me see your hands. All right, about half of you. I was raised in Sunday school. And, and when you go to Sunday school, they teach you the Bible stories of the Old Testament. That's a good thing about going to Sunday school because you learn the Bible stories. Um, God just didn't put these guys in there for, for Sunday school classes. He put these stories in here for those of us that are in the middle of real life. Because you see, again, 1 Corinthians 10 says, speaking of the Old Testament, these things are written for our instruction. What you find in the life of Moses is there because we're going to run into similar things as Moses ran into. The life of David is there because we're going to learn from David's life. A lot of us are going to go through similar things that David went through. He went through heartbreak with his, with his son. Some of us are going to go through with heartbreak with our sons. Daniel's in there because some of us are going to experience what Daniel experienced. All those guys are in there as lessons. And it's amazing how when you track these different men in the Old Testament, you, you can't miss because guys say, that's my life. That's, this is what's happened to me. So here, first 40 years, it's the palace. Second 40 years is where we left him last week. The, the second 40 years is, is the pasture. If you look at Exodus 2, beginning with verse 15, all the way to verse 25, so you got 10 verses there. Those 10 verses represent the middle 40 years of the life of Moses. Just 10 verses. 40 years, get 10 verses. Uh, some of you guys keep journals. If you, write, if you write in your journal every day, in 40 years, you, you, you'd have journals that thick. But, but see, Moses, the 40 years of his life, got 10 verses because there wasn't much going on. Uh, he, he was in a place that he never planned to be. Quite frankly, we got guys in here tonight, you're in a place you never planned on being. It never crossed your mind. You're, you're kind of stunned. Uh, you're kind of shocked. Now, was Moses in Midian by accident? And was God shocked by the events that occurred in Moses' life? Was the plan of God interrupted because Moses screwed up at 39. Did God ever tell Moses to go ahead and lead the people of Israel out of Egypt at the age of 39? Did you see that in the text? We didn't see it in the text because God never told him. It was something he planned on his own and, attempt, and attempted to pull off on his own. God never told him to do that. I'm tempted to say every guy in this room has made plans and gotten a great idea and attempted to pull it off and, and we never quite checked in with the Lord. And what happened was it went up in flames. And we suffered uh, a humiliating defeat. Uh, it was a failure for us. Uh, Earl Warren used to be Chief Justice of the United States Supreme Court. One time Earl Warren... Someone reporter was asking him how he started his day. He said, well, I start my day with a good cup of coffee in the, in the newspaper. And the reporter said, what do you read first? He said, what do I read first? He said, I always read the sports page first. And then I go to the front page. The reporter said, why do you do that? He thought for a minute. He said, well, I read the sports page because the sports page talks about the victories of men. The front page talks about the defeats of men a pretty insightful comment when a guy crashes and burns when a guy makes a huge mistake in his life when a guy breaks the law it's on the front page you see we're all going to be there at some point we're all going to experience failure we get a great plan we're going to work the plan but the problem is god never told us that's what he wanted us to do but in our youthfulness and in our exuberance we launch out ahead this is what happened to moses so Moses had this plan. He tried to pull it off. Now, was God shocked when Moses screwed up? Was God was was God? Oh, I can't believe he did that. 
I had this guy set up. God didn't do that. You know what? That encourages me. I'll tell you why it encourages me. Can I give you a principle? Here's the principle. My screw-ups don't get in the way of God's plan. Here's a great principle for you. My, my, my sin does not get in the way of God's plan. My, uh, my mistakes, my bad judgment does not stop God's plan. You see, God is sovereign, and God knows all things, and God has a plan. If you ever study prophecy and you read some of the books out on prophecy, you read some of the old books out on prophecy, uh, some of the old preachers like Ironside, H.A. Ironside, you know, you read some of Criswell's stuff on prophecy, you know, uh, these uh, D.L. Moody's stuff on prophecy. You know what these guys will talk about? They'll talk about God's plan for the ages. When I was a little kid, I used to hear that, and that just sounded really neat to me. God's plan for the ages, you know. You can still find books, old books written in the 30s and the 40s. That, I mean, that might even be the title, God's Plan for the Year. God has a plan, guys. And his plan has been set from day one, and his plan includes sin. His plan includes screw-ups. His plan. You say, that can't be. Oh, yeah, it can be. Uh, keep your finger in Exodus 2 and go over to Proverbs 16. I'll give you a verse here that'll kind of put you in some tension, okay? About how God works and how God operates. Uh, Psalm 16, verse 4 says, The Lord has made everything for its own purpose, even the wicked for the day of evil. Now, that'll, that'll get, in your, that'll get in, your, uh, in your comfort zone a little bit and screw you up. Because you start thinking about that. Well, how does that work, and how is that fair? And I'm not going to go into that. All I want to do is allow you to live in the tension. But what I'm saying is nothing is outside of God's control, even evil. Even, now, God is not the author of evil. He's not the author of sin, but God uses it. So here's what I'm trying to say to you. God has a plan for the ages that is going to come about, and it's going to come about exactly on time. It'll never be delayed. It'll never be frustrated. The things that occur in our lives that we think stop the plan of God, inhibit the plan of God, the disruptions to our lives, the disruptions to our plans, whether it be divorce or it be cancer or it be a financial setback, those things do not stop the plan of God because God has a plan. From the beginning, God incorporates those things into his plan we don't understand how that works but the fact of the matter is that's how it works why was moses in this chapter of his life why was he had a great plan he was in the palace he was all set up now he screwed it up and he's in the pasture that did not frustrate god's plan moses was there to get an advanced degree he was there to get a Master's of Character Acquisition. Uh, the Master's of Character Acquisition is a very, very difficult degree. In fact, it's so difficult that nobody in their right mind would sign up for it. Um, it's hard. Uh, it's strenuous. Uh, because no one will ever sign up for it, what God does is that he goes ahead and signs us up for it without our consent. He just simply says, you're going to school here. Now, when Moses was, um, when, when he was in the pasture, he just thought he was in the pasture. No, he was there for a reason. God was going to enable him to work on the MCA degree. Uh, you don't work on an MCA degree when your life is going well. Uh, when, when everything is going your way and everything you touch turns to gold, uh, you can't get an MCA that way. MC, an MCA degree is only learned in the dregs of disappointment and depression and discouragement. Now, we mentioned some courses last week that Moses took in this 40-year span of his life. Because you see, 
God had something for Moses to do. You know, guys, nothing in our lives happen by mistake. Nothing happens by chance. Um, God is sovereign over everything. He said, what about my choices that I've made? Well, I've made bad choices. That, that's fine. God's still sovereign. He's still sovereign over your choices. He can still bring good out of bad choices. So last week, we left Moses in Midian. Um, he was, uh, you guys remember the four courses we mentioned last week that, uh, that he took in the wilderness? Uh, I know the four courses. I had them written down. And I can't find them. That's why I continue to uh, leaf through my Bible. Uh, I still can't find them. I just had them out. Uh, there is, all right, there's unemployment 101. There's, good, good. You wrote them down, and you brought them back. You come next week, I'll give you a free book. <laughs> Thanks, Scott. All right, what's the first one? Unemployment 101. Uh, Moses suddenly found himself unemployed. At some point in your life, you'll probably find yourself unemployed and you're shocked. And it might have been because of something you did or something that somebody else did, but you're unemployed. It's not a shock to God. It is a season of your life that God is going to work in and through to develop you and make you into a man of God and develop your character through this season of unemployment where you're going to have to trust him in a way you've never had to trust him before in your whole life. That's why you're there. How many guys in this room are out of work? Okay. And somebody sent me an email, and I got your email. I haven't had time to respond to it on this deal. I'm just letting you know. I'm old school. You know how you're old school with technology? One of the ways is you send somebody an email, and then you call them to make sure they got it. <laughs> That's me. You'll hear from me on that email, by the way. It was about guys that are out of work, and the guy had a great idea. You guys are out of work. That's no fun. That's tough. That's pressure. That's not a shock to God. That's a course that he signed you up for. If you were in your right mind, you would never sign up for that course. So he signed you up. He's going to teach you some great things. You're going to see some amazing things. Never forget the guy I met a couple years ago in Sacramento at a conference. And we were talking afterwards, and he said, uh, it was Saturday. He said, Steve, I started a job on Monday. I've been out of work, I think he said, 23 or 24 months. He said, it's been the greatest experience in my life. When, when I got laid off, he said, I was absolutely stunned and I was petrified. Uh, I believe he had two kids in college. He, he said, I, I, was, I was beside myself. He said, God has met every need over the last two years. It, it's, been, it's been the greatest ride of my life to see the faithfulness of God in ways that I'll never forget and my family will never forget. We have seen God work for us as the children of Israel saw God work for them when they wandered in the wilderness. We have seen God provide on a daily basis. He says, my faith, my faith has grown enormously. And I'm looking forward to work. It's a great job, but I have to tell you, I'm going to miss this period of my life that I dreaded when I went into it because it's been so sweet. Isn't that amazing? Second course Moses took was advanced obscurity. Uh, no one likes being obscure. No one likes being ignored. When the bottom drops out of your life, you find out who your real friends are. Don't you? Yeah, you sure do. Because see, the people that are just your acquaintances, they don't know what to say. And they're uncomfortable. And instead of hanging with you and encouraging you, they start dropping off. If, if you've ever had the bottom drop out of your life, you know what I'm talking about. But, but the people that love you and who are for you, they'll stick. But you might even find yourself in a situation where you don't have any friends. And those who are closest to you even begin to peel off. Remember what happened to Job when the bottom fell out? He lost everything except his wife. I bet you kind of wished he had lost his wife <laughs> at a certain point. 
Because, boy, she was a real sweetheart, wasn't she? She was a real homecoming queen, that one. I mean, she was, she, she was, a, she was a pain in the, uh, uh, in, in the hip is what she was. Uh, always saying the wrong thing. Just curse God and die. Oh, that's really helpful. Because, see, she was coming to grips with everything, and she just couldn't put it together, what was happening. It's hard being obscure. And see, when you're obscure, you know what happens? You lose hope. Because when you're obscure, nobody knows you, and there's no way you'll ever get out of your situation if nobody knows who you are. You know what God loves to do? God loves to take guys that are so obscure that nobody even has the resume, and he likes to raise them up at just the right moment and change their lives and use them, and he gets all the glory. God loves to do that. If you're feeling obscure, you know what? You're all right. You're going to be fine. You don't need a good old boy network. You just need him. He'll get you where he wants you to be. What's the third course? Remedial waiting. This is a big part of the MCA degree. I'm, I'm going to go back to that. What's the fourth one, please? Intermediate loneliness. Yeah. Um, this goes back to friends. You know, so much of our lives revolves around our, our, our relationships, uh, even as guys. You know, our, our wives, women are very, very relational. Women are very, very connected. But, but you may not think of yourself that way, but you know what? You've got to have some people in your life. And it's tough being lonely, and it's tough being by yourself, and it's tough not having anyone that you can talk with or that you can just, uh, you know, go to a ball game with. Or you, when you have no companionship, it's tough. Uh, in Genesis, when Adam was by himself, God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. It's not good for men to be alone. We, we are, we've got to have some people around us. The two are stronger than one. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. See, these are all factors in these, in these chapters of life where God is working on our character. Now, remedial waiting. If there's anything we hate as men, we hate to wait. Flip over to Psalm 130, would you please? And, and uh, as you're going to Psalm 130, and as you find it, Keep your finger there and then flip over to the right to Proverbs 17. I just found my slip of paper with the four courses. But thanks, God. It was hiding over there in Proverbs 17. Notice, if you would, Proverbs 17, verse 3. The refining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold but the Lord tests hearts uh, I remember as a kid uh, our teacher we watched a movie in my probably 6th grade class on the steel industry and you remember you had those old projectors and they'd you know draw the the curtains and and uh, this old click 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 you know projector would go on and we're watching this thing on the steel industry and i remember looking it, they showed us the plants in bethlehem pennsylvania a lot of those plants are closed now but in you know 58 they were open and they were smoking and they were producing a lot of steel uh, how do you produce steel it takes intense heat to produce steel and you see these guys in these special suits and they're working in there and you see this red hot molten metal and these huge you know pots and they're pouring this stuff well, see if you're going to make steel you you, you got to heat it and what happens they have this process where whereas they heat it to these unbelievably hot temperatures the impurities come to the top that's what they do with silver that's what they do with gold if you want gold that's really worth something, you got to put it in the fire. And you put it in the fire, and the impurities come to the top, and they take that slag right off the top, 
and then you get that quality of gold. You see, that's what God does with us. What does this say? The refining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests hearts. There will be chapters in our lives where God will test us that goes along with the MCA degree. What's happening then? What do you do when you sign up to, whether you're in high school, you're trying to get that degree, you're trying to graduate. You go on to college, you're trying to get that degree, you're trying to graduate. So as you go through school, they're going to test you. See, that's what God does in our lives. He signs us up for these courses, and then he tests us. That's what was happening to Moses in the middle 40 years of his life. That's exactly where some of you guys are. You're in the most difficult time of testing you've ever been in. Why? Because God's got you signed up for a course you don't want to be in. See, this was not your plan. The mind of man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. The guy in Psalm 130 is in trouble. He's, he's in difficulty. Now, he's going to use a different metaphor. He's going to say, right out of the blocks, he's going to say, out of the depths, I have cried to you, O Lord. Now, this is what Moses did. Moses was in the depths. When you're in the desert and your plans have been destroyed, you're in the depths. Uh, this is what happened to Daniel. Remember Daniel? What happened to Daniel? He was just a young man and his three buddies. Well, we studied the kings of Judah and the kings of Israel. When things got so, so bad, God took the northern kingdom into captivity, and then the southern kingdom went into captivity uh, into Babylon. Well, when uh, Daniel was just a young man, in his teenage years, his whole life was uprooted, and he was taken away from his family and taken to a foreign capital. And he had to learn a new language. He had to learn a new culture. He had to learn a whole new, new food, new everything. It was tough. It was hard. Uh, the book of Daniel, Daniel and his buddies went through a series of tests because the bottom fell out of their lives. Uh, even as an old man, he was tested. Was thrown into the den with lions. He was tested. But his faith was strong because he could look back and see the faithfulness of God. See, the good thing about going through a lot of tests is that the more tests you go through, when the test comes, they don't throw you as much because you know God's going to come through for you. You've got a history of walking with the Lord and seeing his faithfulness. This guy in Psalm 130 is in the depths. At some point in your life, you're going to find yourself in the depths. Um, when you're in the depths, you're, you're out of your element. You guys ever gone scuba diving? You ever tried that? Some guys just, I mean, they love it and they're really good at it. Um, I tried it for about 48 seconds. And uh, I've had salt water in my sinuses now for 13 years. It just, it just didn't work for me. I just couldn't quite, I didn't have the coordination to do what you were supposed to do. Somehow things just didn't, it just didn't work. But I was in the depths, and, you know, it was beautiful for about three seconds, and then I couldn't breathe. And uh, I was out of my element. Uh, some divers go real, real, real deep. They go down into the depths. They go down where it's real, real dark. And, in fact, it's so dark. When you go down that deep, it's only dark, but there's unbelievable pressure. Some divers go so deep that if a normal guy went down, it'd break your eardrum. See, the scripture uses different metaphors to describe what happens to us. When our plans crash, we find ourselves in the desert. When you're in the desert, you're in the depths. When, when, when the bottom drops out of your life, here's how you know the bottom's dropped out of your life. There's unbelievable darkness because you're not sure where to go next. Here's the other thing. There's unbelievable pressure. You've never felt pressure like this in your whole life. Every man goes through this. This is where this guy is. He says, out of the depths, I've cried to you. It's a very good thing when you're in the depths to call out to God. Not to curse him, but to call out to him. He says, Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive. 
to the voice of my supplication. And then this guy says this, if you, Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? Now, why does he bring this up? I, I heard Tommy Nelson years ago say something about this passage. He said there are two reasons that men get into the depths. Number one, we get into the depths because of just sheer circumstances of life. Um, life's hard. Life's difficult. Have you noticed that Christians are not exempt from difficult situations? Christians are not exempt from cancer. Uh, got an email last month from Mary's cousin, Wayne May, who lives in Selma, Alabama. And Wayne has been the superintendent of schools there for a long time. A lot of racial tension in that city and that community. And um, there have been some great things that have happened in Selma. Uh, I've been invited down there. In fact, last year, Tony Evans and I went down there and did a, did a, uh, did a conference together. And all the white churches and all the black churches, they came together. And it was phenomenal what the Lord's done in that community. It's been a, it's been a great thing. Wayne's been the superintendent of schools. Got an email from Wayne. Last month, you know, after X amount of years, he was retiring. And he was real excited. You know, he was going to do some things and did. Well, I got an email last week from Wayne that his wife, Gail, has breast cancer. See, the mind of man plans his way. But the Lord directs his steps. Uh, Wayne and Gail are not exempt from cancer. As Lance isn't. I'm not. Paul's not exempt from Lou Gehrig's disease. We're not exempt, guys. Uh, what did Peter say? Don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal that comes among you, as though some strange thing were happening to you. See, if you think it's strange that you're going through a hard time, you've been watching too much Christian television. <laughs> you've been watching too many weirdos. You've been watching too many guys with uh, Bardol in their hair. Bardol, where did that come from? <laughs> I haven't thought of that in 40 years. You young guys don't know what that is. It, put it in your crankcase. Anyway, there are weird people. There are some really weirdos on Christian television that'll tell you your life should always be going just really, really well. And if it isn't, it's because you don't have enough faith. No, it's because they're an idiot and they don't know the scriptures. That's the problem. They're not teaching the word of God. They're teaching nonsense. Philippians 1.29, it has been granted to you not only to believe in Christ, but to, anybody know? Suffer for his sake. Boy, there's an encouraging verse. <laughs> so he's granted me salvation. It's been granted to you to believe in Christ, that's great, but also to suffer for his sake. Well, I'm not sure I want to sign up for that. Guess what? You're already signed up. Jesus said, in the world you'll have an easy time. I love that verse. I got it on my refrigerator. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, in the world you'll have, anybody remember? Tribulation, trouble. Acts 14, says, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Not some, not a few, through, what, what did it say? Many. I don't need many. I don't want many, but he signed me up for many. Why? Because he wants to change me. He wants to develop me. He wants to mature me. That's what he wants to do with you. And you don't mature through having an easy life where everything you touch turns to gold. Doesn't work that way. You're going to have some adversity. You're going to have some heartbreak. You're going to have some pressure. You're going to have some darkness. The bottom's going to fall out at some point in your life. But the Father is overseeing the process. And he's not doing it to ruin you. He's doing it to make you. So we're not exempt from circumstances. The circumstances of life hit us, but God controls the circumstances. That's really important. So the first reason we get in the depths, just the trials of life. Here's the second reason we get in the depths, because of our own willful sin against the revealed will of God. We get in the depths because we know that something is wrong. God tells us, his spirit lives in us, we know it's wrong, and we go ahead by an act of our will and choose to do it anyway, and the bottom drops out of our lives. Is that not what happened to David? Yeah. You've done that. I've done it. Maybe not the same type of behavior, 
but we've all done it. We make a bad, stupid move, and the bottom drops out of our lives. That's why we're in the depths. We're feeling the consequences. Now, I think this guy in Psalm 130, the reason he's in the depths is because that's what he had done. The reason I think that, I can't prove it, but I, it's my guess because of what he says there in verse 3. He says, Lord, if you should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? Why would he bring up sin? Because I think that's what he did. I think he knew something was wrong. God didn't want him to do it. He went ahead, blasted through, did it anyway, and it blew up in his face. That's why he's in the depths. But God always has good news for us. And the good news is in verse 4. But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. There is forgiveness. And every one of us, we live off that forgiveness, don't we? So you screw up, made a bad move, bad choice, bad decision. Did, did Moses make a bad choice and a bad decision? Yeah. But there's forgiveness. To the guy who comes to the Lord in brokenness and repentance, there's immediate forgiveness. Now i got a question for you. When God forgives us, you come to the Lord in brokenness and repentance, say, Lord, I never should have done that. If I had it to do over, I wouldn't do it. I can't believe. And you're just, you're just all torn up inside, and you're not faking it. It's from your gut. And God sees that, and he forgives you. Let me ask you a question. Does that mean that God, when he forgives you, will then immediately bring you up out of the depths? No. Why is that? It's because... You see, there are lessons that we learn only in the depths that can be learned nowhere else. And God in his wisdom will allow us to remain there for a while because that's where he does his deep work in our lives. Uh, for Moses, it was a literal desert. Uh, for you, it might be you're out of work or your wife has left you or you see. I say, guys, this is all, can I tell you something? You're not the first guy to be going through this. And the thing is, when we're going through it, we think we're the only guy. And you know why we think we're the only guy? Because we don't talk about it when we go through it. Because we're embarrassed and we're humiliated. And we don't want anybody to know. I've been through this. Most of you guys have been through this. Chuck has been through this. You know, I mean, we, we got Chuck Swindoll. Can you believe how fortunate we are in this church? One of the greatest preachers of this generation, Chuck Swindoll. I mean, guy, I mean, guys on the radio, people, you know. I mean, guys, guys, we thank the Lord for his gift. But I love it when Chuck talks about when he came out of Dallas Seminary and he was a rookie. You ever heard him talk about going to New England? You ever read about Chuck's great success in New England? You read about that? You haven't read about it because it didn't happen. He didn't have much success in New England. As he said, people in New England aren't real impressed with people from Texas. But he's just a young buck in his 20s. He didn't know that. And went up there and was there a few years. And you know what? It didn't, I mean, it really didn't go all that well. well I'm sure that was a real hard time. That was a difficult time. Chuck had done real well at the seminary. He was going to do real well later in life, but he had to have a chapter. I have yet to meet someone who is serious about the Lord uh, and is serious about their faith who has not been through a chapter like this. I'll be honest with you, I, I've never met anybody that hasn't been through this. Because you see, it's in those tough times, it's in those tough chapters where God does his work, when we're doing remedial waiting. And that's what comes up next. See, because when you're in the depths and when you're in a desert, the only thing that's in your mind is, when do I get out of this? All you, when you're in tough circumstances that you despise and you hate and there's no joy and there's no happiness and you haven't laughed in six months because there's nothing to laugh about <laughs> and you're depressed you're depressed when you go to sleep at night and you're depressed when you wake up in the morning. See, when you're in that, all you want to do is, Lord, when do I get out of here? Because you are sick and tired of it. 
there's a very couple disturbing words I want to show you in the next verse. This guy's forgiven, but he's still in the depths. Uh, notice this word that keeps being repeated, verse 5. I wait for the Lord. My soul does wait. And in his word do I hope my soul waits for the Lord. More than the watchman for the morning. This watchman thing in Israel. All the cities uh, had big walls around them. And at night they would shut the massive gates. And as everyone was asleep, there was a watchman. And he would walk the wall. And uh, if you're a watchman, you'd be watching for something. You'd be watching for enemies. But you'd also be watching for the sun to come up. See, when you're a night watchman, you're just waiting for the sun. When the sun comes up, you can punch out and go home. So you ever talk to a night watchman? You ever work graveyard shift? The only thing in your mind is, when's that sun coming up? Because you hate graveyard. It's against everything, against the rhythm of life. But you're doing it, and you're being responsible. As the watchman waits, so we wait. I'm in the depths, Lord. I want out. Remember Moses? When Moses was in the desert, he, he was signed up for a course called remedial waiting. Now, can I ask you something? What is it that you're waiting on God for? Everybody in here, we've got something we're waiting for God to do. We're waiting. And what happens is the longer you wait, the more discouraged you get. Because you begin to think it's never going to happen. And things are never going to change. Do you think maybe Joseph felt that way? when he was in the dungeon. Had Joseph, and, and why was Joseph in the dungeon? Remember he was in the dungeon for raping that girl? You remember that? No, he didn't rape her. She wanted him to have sex, but he wouldn't do it. Joseph was in the dungeon because he did what was right. And he was thrown in the dungeon. See, maybe that's, maybe you took a stand and you lost your job because you took a stand over an integrity issue. I have a friend of mine, and I think I've told you guys this story, but years ago, uh, he was doing a, I did tell I told you a few weeks ago, he was working with a guy and, and uh, doing a number of seminars, and then he began to realize this guy heading up the seminars was involved with a gal. That wasn't his wife. My friend, half his income came from these seminars. And, uh, He was being tested. He went and confronted the guy. And the guy candy. And just like that, he lost half his income. And when you do speaking for a living, people don't call and say, hey, can you come next Tuesday and speak? People call and say, hey, can you come next year and speak? So he knew when he did that, when he stood up to the guy, he was going to have at least a year where he was going to be doing with half of his income. You see? But you see, that was a test. It was a test of his integrity. And you know what? He did what was right. And when he did what was right, he went into the depths of financial pressure. And he didn't see how he was going to make it. Uh, what was that, 10 years ago? By the way, he made it. And God got him through. And you know what else? God has blessed him and prospered him because God tested him and he passed the test. You see? We don't like to wait. There's a secret here for those of us that, are you guys still with me? You guys are very quiet. This is, this, you're waiting. <laughs> that's, that's pretty good. This is pretty serious stuff, isn't it? Because see, this is what we go through. And, and see, once again, we have these great plans. And we make great plans. We make, great, we make plans for a great marriage. And for some of you guys, that hasn't happened. Or you make plans for your career and didn't quite sort the way you thought. You make plans for your kids, and your kids make bad choices. And it rips your guts out. See? And then you're waiting for God to do something. Would you know what verse 5? He says, I wait for the Lord. My soul does wait. Now catch this. And in his word do I hope 
The battle that we fight when we're waiting is that we lose hope. We begin to think, God's not going to do this. The, the other thing that we tend to do is we'll begin to pray. And we'll pray because we're so desperate. We'll say, what month is this? March? This is March. We'll say, Lord, um, I remember years ago I was going through a real hard time about this time of the year. It was about 20-some years ago. I was going through a really hard time in the spring. And I remember praying, Lord, if I could just be out of this by July 4th. By July 4th. And I started praying that almost every day, July 4th. If I could just be out of it by July 4th. You know what? I wasn't out of it by July 4th. Now, had God ever said to me, Steve, I'm going to get you out of this by July 4th? Had God said that? No. Number one, because God doesn't talk to me like he talks to the guy who's on TV. <laughs> All he's given me is a Bible. But can I tell you something? That's all I need. I just need his word. You know? I'm not saying God doesn't ever encourage us through friends. Or, but God had never said, Steve, I'm going to have you out of here by July 4th. See, that was something I came up with. And see, when, you, when we come up with these timelines and then they don't happen, we get, dis, we get disappointed with God. Wait a minute, God never said you'd be out by July 4th, did he? So you know what I had to do on July 4th? I had to keep my Bible open to keep from getting discouraged. You keep going back to the Word, and in your Word do I hope. As you're reading the Scriptures, and you're, you're staying in the Word of God, how many of you guys ate today? Ate food? Yeah. How many of you guys drank water today? Yeah. How many of you guys had a few beers today? No, we won't do that. There are certain things you do every day because they're essential to life, food and water. <clears throat> this is essential to your spiritual life. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. See, when you have to wait a long time, the what the enemy wants to do is to tempt you to shut your Bible because you're disappointed with God. The thing to do is to keep it open. And to keep reading because that's where you're going to find hope and that's where you're going to be struggling and then you're going to read a verse that comes right off the page and hits you right in the chops and you know that verse is for you and it'll encourage you for the next day and the next day and the next in his word do I hope let me give you some good news um, Moses did not stay in the desert for the rest of his life he was in the desert for a season. Are you in a hard time? Are you signed up for that MCA degree? Have your plans been broken? Can I tell you something about this chapter of your life? You're not going to be there forever. You're there for a season. And this, you say, well, how long is it? I don't know. God knows. Um, your season has a beginning. Catch this. It has a beginning. It has a middle. And it has an end. That was true of Moses in the desert. That was true of Daniel in the lion's den. That was true of Joseph in prison in the dungeon. Those guys weren't in there forever because, you see, God had them in there for a reason. And when God accomplishes what he wants to do in that man's life, then he brings him out. That's the whole point. And then what God will do, oh, by the way, remember your plans that you had that have been broken and destroyed? You know what God will do? God comes up with a better plan, a plan you never could have dreamed of, a plan you never could have imagined. In your wildest dream, God has a plan. He said to Jeremiah, I know the plans that I have for you, plans for your welfare, not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. I got to tell you something. I love this stuff because it keeps me going. I, I, I love it when you see a guy who gets his life broken and his dreams broken and he thinks he's finished 
and God takes him through a difficult, hard process, and then God brings the guy out on the other end, and he's ten times the man that he used to be. And, and, you, know what, and you know what else? God starts using this guy because he'll bring people into your life, like on a plane or at work, and someone will start opening up to you, and they'll tell you, they'll start telling you what's going on in their life, and as they're talking to you, they'll say, I, I know you can't understand. I mean, I know this sounds crazy to you. What they don't know is you've been through this. And God sovereignly will bring them into your life. And they'll keep saying as they're talking to you, I know this doesn't make any sense, and I know you can't understand it. But see, what they don't know is where you've been. Because they look at you, and, you, and they, it looks to them like you've got it together. They have no idea you've been through the depths. And then after you tell them, or they tell you the story, then you begin talking to them. And suddenly, you have a connection with them that nobody else in that county can have because of what God sovereignly brought you through, and now he has brought them into your life, and now he is using you in the most remarkable way, and you never could have imagined it. I'm done. But isn't he a good God? How many of you guys, I'm just curious, how many of you guys have been through something like this where the bottom has dropped out, had your dreams broken, heart broken, thought you'd never get out of it, and then God came through, and he has blessed your life? How many guys have been through something like this? Look at that. Okay. You ought to be encouraged by that. This is how he works in a man's life. And you say, well, Steve, I haven't seen that good stuff yet. You will. Just, you know what? Don't keep showing up and going to class. Don't start cutting classes. And don't get mad. And don't leave your books in the back seat of your car. Keep your Bible open. Keep showing up. Keep being faithful. He's testing you. And you know what? You be faithful. You'll pass the test. You're going to graduate. He's going to give you a weird hat and a gown. <laughs> and he's going to give you a really good graduation present. Something really good. Like a Hummer. <laughs> I, 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 I have no idea. But you know what I'm saying. Let's pray. Let's stand and we'll Lord, our minds are amazingly creative. The plans that we can come up with. Gosh, we're good at making plans. But they're so feeble. And they're so poor in regard and in contrast to what you want to do for us. Uh, Eye has not seen and ear has not heard what God has prepared for those who love him. Paul said, now to him who's able to do exceeding abundantly beyond anything we could ever ask or think. Lord, you've got plans for us, even on this earth, that we know nothing about. And what you love to do is take guys who think they're finished, and you love to raise them up, and you love to use them. Even, even Lord, at times... We think we're not being used. We are being used. I think of Paul back there. And he's lost so much of his uh, physical abilities. But Paul has such a ministry to other people that are fighting similar situations in their own lives. You have uniquely equipped him and gifted him I'm sure there are times he thinks, I'm not being used. He is being used. That's the great thing, Lord. You're at work even when we don't realize it. Lord, I pray that we'll all be encouraged as we walk out of here. Thank you for your forgiveness. Lord, we've all screwed up. We've all made mistakes. We've all done really dumb things. But Lord, those things do not prevent your plan from taking place. You know those things from the beginning of time. You incorporated our sin into your plan 
And it hasn't stopped a thing from what you want to do in our lives or in eternity. For that, we cannot fathom it, and we are forever grateful. Encourage us with these words, we pray. In Jesus' name.